0: What was I saying? I wasn't one hundred percent listening. <laughs> I'm sorry. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert.
1: I'm Jay, and
0: I'm Robert.
1: One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture.
0: We did it. We did. It, it. took us four seasons. <laughs> Welcome back to One More Thing. That was so, like, soft rock, <laughs> like, late night radio hour. Like, I- I'm expecting Celine Dion to play after that.
1: Welcome back oh, to One More Thing.
0: <laughs> so, this week we're doing something that we have sort of done before, but never really to this extent. Our first ever official book club episode. Woo! <laughs> We've talked about book before. We talked with Imogen Binny. Yes. All I can remember was the last name because I was like it was so it was such a good name.
1: Madam Benny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um And this season, when we were putting it together, we were like, you know what? We've done a movie club a couple of times, which we're doing again.
1: Yeah, don't forget.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I personally made it a resolution this year to read more. And Jay hooked me up with this book called Red, White, and Royal Blue that we'll be talking about this episode. And we had a great time. And then later in this episode, we're going to talk with the author. Okay, so I think if I were to list my top five favorite books of all time, it would be all seven Harry Potter books. (laughs) Okay. Maybe American Psycho because the, like the experience of reading it was really interesting. Like the way it's written and then red, white and world (laughs) blue immediate third. And then I don't know what's fourth and fifth.
1: So you only have top three. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, technically that was a top nine.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So my top nine are Harry Potter one through seven and then American Psycho. And then this book, I love it. Me too. I, I think without even getting into the initial content, I've been talking to you for a really long time about tr- how it's so hard for me to find a book that I stay interested in, especially because it, with my dyslexia and like my weird attention span with books, it takes a lot for me to actually sit down and read a book. Uh-huh. And so over the course of our friendship, I was like, I want a book where the characters are like gay and it doesn't have to do with AIDS and it's fun. And this fell into our laps and I was like, uh, like it looks like a YA book and It didn't read as such, and I fucking loved it.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean... I just sort of stumbled across the book. I don't remember where I found it. I think I probably found it on like a list of like best queer books to read this summer or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this looks super interesting. I think Robert would like this. And so I sent it to you and then you started reading it. And let that be a lesson to all of you that I am amazing at picking books.
0: (laughs) You are. Oh, for Christmas one year, you got a book printed for me of short stories. And I think I've read all but two of them out of order, but you are are Very good at, at giving books. I am. Let's talk about this book. From the beginning, we have Alex, and he is the first son of the United States, which seeing that abbreviation was so weird to me. Yeah, F sodus. Yeah. It took maybe like three or four usages usages for me to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't, yeah at sure. first I was
1: like, oh, okay. And then I finally was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: F sodus. And we're big fans of VEEP. Yes. And I really loved the hit TV show Royals that oh, yeah. starred the guy from like the Chronicles of Nardia. And it yeah. was like this weird, like... That you were the only person in America who watched. I'm, yeah, it was like me, two of my cousins, and maybe like a producer of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the cast. <laughs> we're the only four people that ever watched it. And you know what? I kept it on the air for two seasons. So. Good for you. So right off the bat, when it actually sunk into my body that this was a book about the first son of the United States falling in love with the Prince of England, <laughs> I was like, this is a kink that I never realized was yeah. c- could be a thing that I could partake in besides my own mind. <laughs> And I, I don't know. I just fucking loved it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I really try and only read books about queer people because that's like really all that I care about. And so at first I was like, oh, okay, like two gay men is going to be, like, it's going to be good, but it's not going to be, like, my favorite thing. My favorite thing is, like, books about lesbians. But then this, I was like, who cares that they're men? <laughs> I love them. I can't get enough of them. And, I mean, also, let's just say right here now, I mean, we've all, if you're listening to this, you should have already read it. So, Nora, just so everyone knows, <laughs> if you ever wanted to know my type, <laughs> I'm shook. Nora is literally my type to a T.
0: Yep. When the it whole time
1: like I- she had black curly hair. I was like, "Well, I'm dragged."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really loved Nora so did Conrad, so did Conrad. <laughs> skipping to the end of the book I got re- I, I didn't realize that Nora was that I for lack of better words cared about Nora because I was so wrapped up in the rest of the book and Nora's plot line is kind of adjacent to the main plot but when she goes missing for a few days and like no one can get a hold of her and they don't know what's happening I was devastated because the first thing that came into my mind is that they just used her for this whole plot when they were like oh it's not like Alex and Henry aren't together it's like these it's, two yeah. couples and then that immediately got dropped. And then they moved on to something else, and I was like, "Oh, they just like used Nora for this huge public scandal, and then threw her away, and are now rising to the top of it." She's probably like super pissed at them. Yeah. And then when she showed up at the end with the emails and like all of this hacker I stuff that she had done, I was screeching. Uh,
1: <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was so happy for her. I was so proud of her.
0: I think I spent the entire day between the lake scene, which I'll talk about later, but like the lake scene where they're like tangled up in each other, and then the relationship kind of comes to a head to the end of. The the book was one sitting in my bed. I didn't get up and just had to keep reading because I was so invested. And I I think I've said this before about like TVs and movies and stuff like that, but in my mind, Alex and Henry are out there <laughs> and they are in love and I'm so happy for them. <laughs> So going back to season two, we started at this thing called the movie club, which is a term we invented. Mm -hmm. We watched Me, Him, Her with you guys. We watched Carol and Call Me By Your Name with you guys. And we talked about these movies. And this season, we would like to bring you our newest movie club.
1: (laughs) It's called Vita and Virginia. It comes out in theaters on August 30th, and we're going to be discussing it on September 2nd. So you have the week, the first weekend it comes out to go see it. You can go to any theater where it's playing and just say, Hi, I'd like a ticket for Vita in Virginia. And then they'll give you a ticket, and you'll pay. Then you'll go in, you'll sit through some previews, probably like five or six, depending on the theater. Then you'll see the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Then you'll come out of the movie. You'll go home. You'll wait a couple days. And then on Monday, you'll have a new episode from us about it.
0: There's not really much else to it. That's
2: that's it. (laughs)
0: I don't have as much experience with books as you do. Uh, not saying I don't read, but the scale at which Jay reads is monstrous. We're, yeah, we're recording right in front of Jay's three bookshelves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bookshelves, a full bookcase and two very long bookshelves. Yeah. And, well, and a whole magazine rack. Is this romance equivalent to anything you've read before? Not saying this is like record breaking or anything, but. Well,
1: I actually. This book reminded me a lot of another book I really like called Willa and Hesper. Hmm. which is about a lesbian couple and their romance is sort of as epic as this one, but it's only in the first three chapters of the book. And then the rest of it is about them like living their separate lives and they have no contact with each other. And it's just about how their romance like affected their lives. Oh, Yeah. But there, but it's sort of the scale of the romance in terms of like, and when I say scale, this is Will and Hesper is not a book about like, a romance with the international implications that this one has. (laughs) Like, very few books are. But, like, Will and Hesfer is a book where the romance is, like, grand and epic and sweeping and, like, only lasts eight months but is, like, the most beautiful love story anyone's ever had. Hmm. And then, like, ends very suddenly.
0: What breaks them up?
1: Well, I'm not going to tell you because I I want everyone to go read it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was never disappointed with this book Uh, there were a lot of times especially in the beginning I was very before they were necessarily in love like when Alex was still like negative like I hate Henry yeah I was still really interested in it and I was like how on earth is this book gonna like come to fruition and I was never disappointed in it and also even though the book kind of covers like first love and coming out and losing your virginity especially to someone that is not losing their virginity and the decision that Alex makes that he's not gay, he's bisexual. And like, all of these things are like huge explosive moments in the book. It never felt like that was the premise. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I was never like, Oh, Oh, this is just the love Simon of like people that have a lot of money where it's just like the whole point of this book is that these two people are going to come out to their parents because even those two moments, I guess, minus Henry's kind of happened very quickly. Yeah. And in, I guess, also minus Henry's, I guess Alex's happened in such a positive way that the problems weren't, oh, I'm coming out to my, like, very conservative parent. It was more like, I'm coming out and the problem is the situation that I'm in, which, getting back to, like, not disappointing me, I was so wrapped up in it. Because you and I, we can't go through a movie without being like, oh, well, this will obviously happen next. Yeah. And... Throughout the entire book, I was like, oh, well, this is clearly what's going to happen next, but maybe not, because that's not the problem. The problem is these two characters are so specific, and their trajectory has been laid out for them generations and generations before them. And that kept me going every chapter, which I thought was crazy interesting.
1: Yeah, and I liked that there was like, sort of Alex's coming out was on one side, and then Henry's coming out was on the other side, where Alex coming out was just sort of like, everyone being like, yep, we, like, we know, or, like, we love you anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Not we love you anyway, but, like, we still love you. Yeah. <laughs> we love you even in spite of that. So. <laughs> but, like, everyone was very accepting of him. And then Henry had the sort of opposite, like, everyone was like, no, this can't happen, fuck you. And even at the end, Philip and the Queen were both still kind of like, no, no. Mm -hmm. I liked that that was there because it was realistic. It wasn't like everyone is great and everyone is happy and everything is like everyone gets to come out and it's easy for everyone and great. It's the perfect world. Yeah. And so I liked that there was still like tension there.
0: Something that we haven't talked about yet was the, when I was trying to explain to friends of mine that I was reading this book, I was like, oh, like... I'm really wrapped up in this book right now. And to a lot of people, they were like, oh, sure, he'll probably put it down soon. And I was like, no, no, no. This book is about the f- first son of the United States falling in love with the Prince of England. Everybody's re- initial reaction was like, what? And I was like, no, you have to understand, like, he lives in... W- what Obama kid's room is Alex's room?
1: Malia. Yes.
0: I think. And Trump doesn't exist. And like the royal family is still the royal family and they're like of wales but it's like not them and if this isn't an indication that i need to start of the crown Prop podcast okay. i don't know what is okay when i was explaining it to people and i was like oh and it's this alternate universe where trump doesn't exist and the royal family is different and all of these things i was trying to envision what those people looked like in my mind because the movie isn't out yet. And when the queen of England comes in and you, you finally meet the queen and Catherine and Philip, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of that whole part of the royal family, especially when so much of the book is with the white house family. Uh, the, when the queen sat down and it was like, she has like a sharp gray bob and she has tea that she made while everybody sat at the table and stuff. All I could think about was, did you see the Giver movie? Yes. Uh, Meryl Streep with that like long like sharp, it's almost it's like a long bob. It's like (laughs) like a lob. Is that what that's called? It's a lob. I was like, oh, that's the Queen of England. (laughs) Meryl Streep is the Queen of England. Producers of the Red Wing (laughs) Royal Blue movie cast Meryl Streep in the Giver as (laughs) the Queen of England. Meryl Streep in her
1: Giver wig.
0: or just like Nicole Kidman. No, Nicole Kidman does love the Nicole
1: Kidman in her lion wig.
0: (laughs) Whoa. Then you should know better than anyone. You have seen children starve. You've seen people stand on each other's necks, just for the view. You know what it feels like when men blow each other up.
2: Over a simple line on the do, sand. I
0: do, but And if yet you, And yet you and Jonas wanna open that door again. Bring all that back.
2: If you could only see the possibility of
0: life. Love. Oh my god, something we haven't mentioned this entire time is the like crazy romance between the bodyguards. Yeah. I was like, this feels like very The Parent Trap, where it's like the the people that you don't even realize are a part of the story suddenly come in. Then eventually in. <laughs> are
1: together, yeah.
0: Yeah. The fact that they're engaged at the end, I was like, I need a story about them. I need yeah. a story about...
1: I need an expanded cinematic universe here.
0: Can you imagine? I want not even a trilogy, just like a full series of books based on different characters. I love this book, and I hope that you guys did too.
1: So when we come back from this little break... We will be,
0: what? L-I-L, apostrophe, break. Yeah,
1: Lil' (laughs) break. My rap name. Um, From this Lil' break, we will have with us Casey McQuiston, who wrote the book. Can you believe it?
0: Our new best friend. Uh,
1: Yeah, our new best friend. She's super cool. I think you guys will really like her, um, because we really liked her. Yeah.
0: As the podcast has grown, I keep thinking back to when we first made the podcast, and I remember, like, taping your comforter up to the window with tape so that the sound (laughs) didn't bounce off the wall, and our Patreon subscribers, who we've kind of welcomed into the One More Thing family over the years, have been so helpful to the season two that we did, and the season three. And
1: postcasts.
0: Yeah, and have really helped us grow, and I just wanted to say thank you. And if you're listening to this and you are not a Patreon subscriber, I would like you to consider maybe becoming one (laughs) it would be really great if every listener donated one dollar because you know what that would do we'd get a bunch of dollars
1: and oh by the way we also have a PayPal now oh right so if you want to make a one-time donation I literally just remembered this as we're recording this ad if you want to make a one-time donation which would be so incredibly kind you can go to paypal.com and just PayPal us at one more thing so we're here with Casey McQuiston, the author of Red, White, and Royal Blue. Hi! Hey. Just to
0: start things off, I love this book.
2: Yes, yeah, so do I. Hey. Oh my god, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you love it.
0: I'm a really slow reader. It takes me a really long time to read essentially anything. And I booked it through this book because I was <laughs> on the edge of my fucking seat the entire time. I'm so glad that's like
2: the best compliment I've ever gotten on this book was like like this super straight guy at my publisher who just said that thing cooks that's, like, <laughs> that's that's what I love I love when people fly through
0: it in the back of the book I like yeah when I say that I read every word of this book I mean like I got to the acknowledgements and was like I'm not done like I have to keep going
1: <laughs> yeah I read the acknowledgements also and I was like it's just as good as the book <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. So in it, you talk about how the idea for the book came to you off of an I-10 off-ramp in 2016. Yeah. What was that first idea for the book? Like, what was the original concept?
2: Yeah. So I was, see, uh, yeah, it was early 2016. It was April. It was like April 13th, I want to say. And um, I was driving to work. Um, at the time, I was working at a magazine back home in Louisiana. And I was just like thinking about these books that I've been reading lately, which one of which was The Royal We uh, by the Fug Girls, and one of them was um, A Woman in Charge, which is this incredibly dry Hillary Clinton biography by Carl Bernstein, (laughs) um, who's like one of the the Watergate journalists. Like, I'm talking dry. You know? And and I was just, but I was like, learning so much about the inner workings of all these different worlds that are super high profile and also completely hidden from us like everything is happening in front of our eyes but also everything's happening behind closed doors and I'd always been interested like I love feet, I love Parks and Rec I'm like very politically involved person so like, I care about those things and I was just thinking a lot about it and I was thinking I want to do something in one of these worlds like a royal book or like a political book but make it sort of rom-commy how how do I pick and then I was like wait wait if I have one member of the first family fall in love with a member of the royal family I can do both and I don't have to pick and I can just do whatever I want yeah so it was it really uh, not to live up to a bisexual stereotype but I definitely couldn't pick one and and I it was it was really just like me cheating my way through wanting to do more than one world um, and I knew I wanted to be queer from day one and it just kind of like unveiled itself to me from there
1: so then you also talk about in the acknowledgements (laughs) starting with the back of the book really yeah we're going back to front you talk about how you sort of wanted it from the beginning to be like this fun alternate universe and then suddenly it was like a very like yeah yeah and i at least found it very cathartic at the end when oh spoilers ahead when ellen wins at the end i was like sobbing because I was (laughs) it was such a cathartic moment so what changes did you have to make to take it from like fun to sort of like
0: sentiment not sentimental that's not the right word what word am I looking for Robert? I mean cathartic is kind of the right (laughs) like uh and it was it was weird because it also wasn't not fun like I wasn't like oh I'm reading something that is meant for a specific purpose which is to make me feel better yeah it almost was happening without my knowledge yeah yeah well
2: you know it was I think that like when I started when I started working on it picturing like what I thought like, the world that it would, like, the world that would be reading the book, what I thought at the time was going to be, you know, like, we're all, we're under our first female president, and it's, like, doesn't feel that different from where we were in 2012 when we had just elected Obama, where it's, like, there's things that are fucked up, but, like, there's an underlying sense of hope that, you know, everything's going to work out, And, uh, and then the election happened, and it was, like, oh, wait, turns out, Nothing's going to be okay right now. And uh, and I literally, yeah, like, I didn't know how to approach it. I was like, the tone has to, like, shift. Like, I'm going to have to, like, my characters are going to be grappling with all of these different things, you know, because I felt like it would be completely dishonest and, and, um... You know like irresponsible to write it as if it was just this like happy perfect world where you know it was never fucked up and, and like there's no such thing as racism in america <laughs> right. you know which like obviously it would have been that way even if hillary had been elected you know i still would have had to co- like deal with this and that was something i wanted to deal with in the book but i had to approach it from like so many different levels now and like all like allude to things that happened in the real world without being really heavy-handed or being, like, like living in that world. Like, I never had the thought of, like, well, Ellen ran against, like he who must not be named in 2016 like like he just doesn't exist he just doesn't exist it's just not a factor but it was it was just it was so complicated just trying to do everything justice and find those lines that you can walk that you know feel real and feel rooted in like what's going on in our country right now but also don't feel hopeless and don't feel you know really bleak and just looking at, like, how those things could be changed and, and you know, getting back to, I feel like the, the feeling I was always chasing when I was writing this book was, like, the 2012 election. I remember being at my friend's apartment, watching the returns. We're, like, coloring in our electoral maps, you know, <laughs> with magic markers. And then, like, Obama won. And then we, like, went out on the balcony, like, a bunch of, like, queers and women and just, like, popped this very expensive bottle of champagne that we could not afford. And... <laughs> (laughs) I just like, I remember how I felt in that moment. And I feel like that was the feeling I was chasing when I was trying to write this book was like trying to reconnect with that feeling of hope um, and also have it very rooted
0: in reality. So in the book, you have the character of Alex, who I was fascinated with, not only because I deeply related to him, (laughs) But also because I thought it was super interesting that the, I guess you could say the main character of the book, his whole family, like his mom is the first female president and she's a divorced like mother who's the president. (laughs) And you have all these different children in the White House at this age, which we haven't seen in America in a a while. What inspired this specific family to be in the White House?
2: It was... Definitely there was a very specific inspiration for Ellen, which was Wendy Davis, who is um, like a Texas state senator. And, like, in 2013, she did that, like, really famous filibuster where yeah. she filibustered for, like, an obscene number of hours on the floor of the State Senate in Texas uh, for abortion rights. And I remember, like, I had friends who, like, went to Austin to go stand in the Capitol while she was there and, like, show her support. I was in California at the time watching it on TV and just, like, crying. <laughs> um, and I feel like that was kind of, like, the spark that led to this book happening because when I knew I wanted to write a female president – I had, like, two seconds where I was like, well, I guess she's going to be, like, a legacy Kennedy type of person, and her, like, like, how could we get a woman elected, you know, kind of thing, and then I was like, that's boring, you know, like, I don't I don't want to do that, and so what was interesting to me as someone from the South is the idea of this, like, country drawl kind of, like, southern populist Texas Democrat who, like, you know, he used to, used to be, like, a civil rights attorney, and, you know, and it was actually one of my friends um, who's from Texas who suggested that she be divorced because she's got this, like, badass divorce mom who, you know, has is just, like, a boss bitch, and, um, and, and she was like, she should be divorced, and I was like, she should be divorced! Why can't she be divorced?! <laughs> and and yeah and so it kind of it kind of all came out of that and it was convenient for her to be divorced too because I needed a senator from California to be Alex's dad (laughs) uh, but yeah that was kind of where it came from I think that Alex like very organically evolved into being this like like, I just know – I grew up around so many people from Texas. I spent a lot of time in Texas growing up. I'm from Louisiana, but Texas is, like, sort of my secondary home state. And there's just, like, a million guys like Alex who are, you know, these these kids who grow up in southern or western Texas who are from, like, immigrant families. And, um, you know, a lot of them are, like, mixed race. And he's just, like, somebody that I've met, you know. He's, he's like – such a common type of Texas boy, and um, and I, I mean like def, definitely there was like parts of what was happening in America at that time that I was like yeah fuck you I'm gonna put a bunch of like Mexican kids in the White House <laughs> like like you know because I was like you know they should be why the fuck not so yeah I mean like it was definitely informed a lot by what was happening in the country at the time but more than anything it was informed by like what I thought was an interesting story and what I thought was organically what made sense like a family coming out of texas to me made a lot of sense for them to be at least part latino part mexican so yeah it was it was just sort of like this feels right to me i love that
1: i have divorced parents and when leo first shirt up i was like a stepdad that doesn't happen <laughs> in books and i was so excited um so thank you for that I don't know about you, but I listen
0: to podcasts on my phone. I do, in fact, listen to them with my cellular device.
1: And you know what else I do on my phone is I follow accounts on social media.
0: What's your favorite account?
1: The One More Thing Instagram account. Do
0: you know what my favorite Twitter is? What's
1: your favorite Twitter?
0: But the One More Thing Twitter account. It's the only reason I still have Twitter. <laughs>
1: So if you're already holding your phone to listen to this podcast, why not head on over to Twitter.com and follow One More Thang with an A, because I was taken. (laughs) And if you're holding your phone still and you want to do something else, you can go over to Instagram and follow One More Thang with an A, because I was taken. And then you can go to Facebook and follow one more thing podcast and letterboxed and follow one more thing. I think that's it,
0: right? We post a lot of stuff about the podcast specifically and also news that we're obsessed with. It should be in your close friends list. Like I, I want to see all y'all. All right.
1: Let's talk about the sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Robert started the book before I did. And he texted me at one point. He was like, I cannot believe I'm reading this in a public place. I I have to put it down. And I was like, well, they can't be that like sexy. And then I started reading it and I was like, oh, I can't read this in public. This is too hot. (laughs) So first of all,
0: we love them. And thank you very (laughs) much.
1: (laughs) We were looking at your Twitter Mm -hmm. and we noticed that a lot of people have been like, Classifying this book as young adult, yeah, and I thought it was a young adult novel before I picked it up. Like when I first sent the Amazon thing to Robert, I was like, "Oh, yeah. it's young ado- It's a young adult novel for us to read <laughs> because we love yeah. YA." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the yeah, sex yeah. scene started, and I was like, "Oh, this is not a young adult novel." Yeah. So, <laughs> do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't know what happens that like so many people think it's young adult. I don't know if it's because it's like a cute cover. I don't, I mean, I don't know, I think, I do have, like, like a lot of my friends are young adult authors, so maybe, like, people come across my book via them, and then they're like, oh, this must also be young adult, but it's definitely, like, classified as, like, new adult or adult, like, I classify it as new adult, but that's, like, kind of a controversial term in the industry, so, like, like, I would call it, like, adult romance, you know, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that, like, I, I mean, these these characters are, like, ranging from, like, 21 to 26 over the course of the book, and, you know, to me, that's, like, very, like, new adult, that's why, like, I, you know, I, I prefer to call it new adult, because that's, like, that age bracket, but, you know, it's not to say I don't think teens should read it, like, I had so many I met so many teen readers and I was on tour and they were all amazing and they all like made me want to cry and like came with their parents and that really made me want to cry. Oh. And, you know, I would have read this book at 16. I was reading way worse at 16. I was definitely like sneaking my sister's Janet Ivanovich like pulp novels out of her room when I was like 12. <laughs> You know, so maybe that explains why this book is this way, but, my, um, you know, I always want to be upfront about what, like, your expectations should be going into this book, because there are sex scenes, and, like, I would never want someone to be like, I want to get this for my, like, 13-year-old daughter, because I think this is appropriate, and then, and then like, you know, finding out after the fact, and it's sending me, like, an angry email, like, why would you corrupt my child? <laughs> so, I've said this on Twitter, I was like, people fuck, like, that's just like. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think I said, like, I, I, I tweeted about this, and I, like, at the end of the tweet said, like, people fuck Karen, and somebody was <laughs> like, you need to put that on a tote bag immediately. <laughs> but you know like for me like I, I felt like it was important to include sex scenes on the page because I wanted this to read like any other like adult rom-com that's on the shelf right now where you know that's part of the book and I felt like it would if I didn't put that on the page it would be like saying it was somehow less fit to print than all of these straight romances with sex on the page and I, I really resent and like Bristle against the implication that like queer sex is any dirtier than any like kind of straight sex you know because it's not it's just like it's all undignified like let's be honest but like, like, yeah that was it was important to me I like the sex scenes and what I they're not even that explicit what I think like people think is really sexy about them is that they're very emotional yeah and, it's, like, very, like, it's not, like, you're not getting, like, lost in all these mechanics, which can sometimes happen in sex scenes in books where it's, like, it's, like, right foot blue. It's more, like, it's all, like, about how they feel in that moment and, like, emotional, physical connection, which I think is, like, way sexier. You know, and I think that's why people are like, "Oh my god, I've like like these sex are so steamy." I'm like, they are, but they aren't. You know, like I think it's so. It's I'm I'm proud of them because I feel like they get people feeling some feelings on more than just like a I wrote porn level. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling feelings so this entire book. Like I have to commend you because I through it was I don't think I've ever wanted a literary couple together more than when I was reading this and even that scene when they're in the lake and it kind of comes to their attention that this is fun and all but like it might not actually work out. And yeah. all of that came in. I had to stop reading. I was devastated. And I was like, I don't want to read a book where they're not together. And yeah. then uh, when the chapter, I think after that ended, and it was like that, and that was the last message he sent. I w- I text Jay in like a panic and was like, I can't <laughs> read this. <laughs> and then even we were just talking about how um, Ellen winning the election in the end. I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, I can see a world where she loses and their relationship is the only thing that works, but I want a world where she wins and everybody kind of gets what they want. And then this kind of leads me to my, to my like very selfish question that I just have about one of the characters is, (laughs) (laughs) is, um... Everything kind of wraps up and is great, except I have a question about June and her ex boyfriend. Oh, okay. Like, what yeah. happened? Do you think that she ever goes back to him? A- because they, it, she, the boyfriend is brought up a couple of times that it just like will not work out because of their chosen paths. And I, I thought it was interesting that that's the only thing that at the end of the book didn't like wrap up for me. And I have questions, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so that's a great question. Um, I don't know how much I can answer about it, um, because, like, I feel like there are some threads that are I, very intentionally left open <gasps> so that they could be potentially revisited in other ways in the future.
0: Don't do this um, to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, so... Um, I think. Well, what's what like? What I love about that like plotline with June and her ex and like her dad in California is like, I I struggled with June. It was she was really hard to crack as a character. I didn't know who she was for a while, and I felt like she kept getting lost in the book. And then I figured out that like who she was was like somebody who had sacrificed this like life that she wanted to have so that she could like be in DC and like look after her family, you know. Mm-hmm. And so. Like, that's kind of what that guy represents for her is, like, you know, she met him in college, and it was, like, I'm dating as the first daughter, like, very, you know, chasing liberty type of thing at college, like, hiding from Secret Service agents, meeting this guy, falling in love with this guy, and then, like, can't beat with him because of my family, you know? Um, And so... If I were to let's do this hypothetically, if I were to get a chance to <laughs> to, um, to explore June and like herb story more, there's like a lot that I would. There's like a lot with that guy, and there's a lot with like with like Pez and Nora too. That's like
1: all I need more Nora.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think that there's like a lot uh, worth visiting with June and. Um, Yeah, I don't think that that's impossible to say that that could be something in the future that I would do.
1: Wow. Well, speaking of that, we wanted to talk about your next book. Yeah. Which is about two girls falling in love.
2: Yes, it is. And
1: Um, time. Can you explain? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. Okay. So I'm going to tell you um, sort of like the way, like the elevator pitch of it, which is like, have you ever seen movie Kate and Leopold? no no okay okay so cliff notes on kate leopold it's like a late 90s early 2000s rom-com one of my favorites growing up um not that great of a movie but that's beside the point um it's it's like it's like meg ryan and she's like she's living and working in new york and she doesn't really have like anything going on like she doesn't she's like kind of floating around lost and um Hugh Jackman is this guy who falls through time from like Regency era New York, and yeah, and so he's like, yeah, he's like very like Mister Darcy, but in New York, and he falls through time, and he meets he meets Meg Ryan, and they like fall in love. Um, So it's sort of like that if. Um, Meg, the Meg Ryan character was, like, this early 20s, like, reformed girl detective kind of, oh um, God. lost soul in New York. And Hugh Jackman was, like, a hot butch lesbian from the 1970s Stonewall era Brooklyn. Are you so kidding me? So my favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and also the subway is involved, so about like sixty percent sixty to seventy five percent of the book takes place on the subway. Like on the Q train specifically. It's very like when I pitched this to my my editor, she's like, This is so fucking weird, you should do it <laughs> <laughs> And then um and then I turned it into her she was like, This is so fucking weird, I can't believe it works And um So that's kind of the book, and it's, like, it's also, it's very, like, she's got all these, like, ragtag band of misfit roommates, and, like, her neighbor's a drag queen, and so, like, there's, they go to, there's, like, some drag shows involved, like, and she works at, like, a shitty um, pancake diner that's about to be gentrified, and they're trying to save the diner, and it's, it's all very, like, it's very New York, it's very, like, contemporary, but then it's also about, like, Stonewall-era New York, and like what like those communities what like queer communities in stonewall era have to offer queer communities in contemporary era, era and vice versa so it's really fun i know it sounds weird it, <laughs> it sounds-, sounds
1: amazing <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good time i really love it i'm working on revisions right now um i can't really say yeah like when it'll be out um but yeah that's that's what i'm working on <laughs> In 1876, Leopold, Duke of Albany, was a bachelor. Take a wife. With few prospects. In 2001.
0: I still don't have the data. I
2: can't do analysis unless you give me numbers.
1: Kate McKay has a successful career. You're a rarity
0: among women, Kate. You're like a man. And no life about halfway through the book, I was like, fuck, I need this to be a movie. And then <laughs> yeah. when I finished it, uh, you were doing a Q&A on your Insta story and someone asked and you were like, oh, I guess people don't know. Like, it was picked up by Amazon and for Lansky <laughs> Productions. And it w- it happened before the book was released. Is there anything you can tell us about your idea or plan or whatever for this movie adaptation?
2: Yeah, so um, yeah, it was crazy. Like, this was like, like March and April ish was like, when the deal happened and it was very like, like I had a Hollywood agent and it was like, this might happen one day. And then it was like, I'm calling you right now. Cause this producer wants to talk to you. And then it's like, okay, now it's five producers. And then it was just like, it was like three weeks of my life that were completely batshit crazy. Like um, it's just like Hollywood people just like move in different ways. And so it was like very fast, like bam, bam, bam. Like this is happening. It's nothing like publishing. Um, and so I optioned it. Uh, yes, yeah, so it was. It's Berlanti Productions and Amazon Studios, and um, I was actually just in LA for an event at the Ripped Bodice, and I got to sit down with all of those guys and just kind of talk about what we want to do with it. And um, I'm so excited about what we're going to do with it. Like everyone who's working on this project are people that I chose to work with because I can tell like how genuinely and passionately they care about what this story represents and like what it can be and you know they're all super committed to preserving you know the diversity on the page like my biggest fear was I would give it to someone they would like make Alex White or something Mm -hmm. and um and so like that was something that was discussed before I made any decisions and and it's just like I'm so excited we're gonna have like you know queer people involved in the creative side on every level and the cast is gonna be super diverse and um we just like everybody has who we've talked to like pictures it as sort of just like almost like a gay crazy rich Asians in the ter- in the sense of like the scale of it and like like the uh, like how, what it can be as like a cultural moment for like a demographic that hasn't gotten to really be centered in this big theatrical rom com package you know and so yeah I'm like crazy excited about it I am it does not feel real still. Um, And I think maybe it'll feel real, like, two years after it's released or something, you know? Um, Like, when I can buy it on DVD, maybe it'll feel real. But it's incredible. I'm so excited about it. Um, I can't really – I don't really have, like, a timeline of when things would be happening. And, like, that's the thing with Hollywood is, like, you really don't know anything until it goes into production. And, you know, a lot of times books get optioned and, like, never actually go into production – So I'm like always very hesitant to say like, this is definitely happening, but I do think that everybody involved in it is so excited and so passionate about it. And like, you know, just so believes in what it can be and what it can do,
0: you know? So from like a writer's perspective, and obviously you can't say anything, but is there anything that you dream or wish can be represented in the film medium as opposed to the literary medium through the movie.
2: Oh my God. I mean, like, well, I write, I feel like I write really cinematically because like my biggest influences, um, really more than books or like anything I've read is like TV and movies. And so every time I, like there were so many scenes I wrote, like the VNA scene, like dancing in the, like that like chap the Italian chapel in the V and A like to me I picture this like huge wide shot that like kind of like gets the whole scope of the moment you know uh, with like the music and everything like, those big moments are like what I really want to see on screen and it's just like yeah it's stuff like that it's stuff like the big like crowd scenes which I, I guess you don't care about spoilers um, like like <laughs> with the scene. When um like Catherine like pulls back the curtain uh, in Buckingham Palace and it's like this huge crowd down like on the mall. Like I just like I want that scene so bad, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely had a very clear image of that scene in my head when yeah, I was reading it.
2: Yeah. And I wanna I want like the election night scene in Austin, like I wanna be an extra in it. <laughs> <I> wanna, <laughs> I want to be, like, a crying, like, campaign snapper or
0: something. Listen, if you need extras, I'm available. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'll hook you up, for sure. (laughs) I'm holding you to it, Casey. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. So, this brings us to, at the end of every episode, we play a little game. Oh, okay. And our game this week is going to be, and obviously, you don't have to, like, divulge secrets. But who is, like the dream of all dreams
2: cast
1: for oh the movie
2: okay okay um all right so I've always from day one when I started writing the book pictured Connie Britton as Ellen god! <gasps> oh my um, god Mike. <laughs> yeah right she'd be so good Uh, she's so good good. like like every time i'm like describing her like square jaw and her strawberry blonde hair i'm like this is connie Britton." i hope everyone knows this is connie Britton.
0: oh my god (laughs)
2: um but then like i mean like if i could have anybody in the world i would want like oscar isaac for like senator rafael luna um he would be like super dreamy would love that oh god okay okay so there's this actress named amy carrero who's like on uh god what is she on she's on young and hungry with like emily osmond i think is what she's on i don't know she's like the perfect june like she would be amazing for
1: june um
2: god i always picture like for for like richards like the opponent i always picture somebody who's super handsome but with this like glint of like very dark evil in his eyes and so i picture i feel like daniel day lewis or like jeremy irons or somebody could pull that
0: off oh love that all right we just looked up amy carrero and we love her (laughs) oh my god yeah wait you, you do like you know her Yeah, no, not at all. But I, but I looked up and was like, yep, that that's it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, she would be so good. She'd be so good. Um, I like, I'm like, I've never found a Henry. I've never found a single, like some people send me like 5 million, like beautiful white blonde boys for Henry. And I have like, none of them look like Henry, you know? So I don't know. I think it's gonna have to be an unknown. I think they're gonna have to plug some charming young British man out of obscurity and like make him Uh. Henry. Um, and then for Alex, like, I don't know. I um, I really want to find an unknown, too. Like, I really love the idea of, like, giving someone who's, like, up and coming this, like, star-making role. But um, there's this guy hang on. His name – he's on um, on my block on Netflix, and I'm spacing on his name right now. Hey, uh, so I can Google this. Um... um on my blog
0: Jason no
2: okay I hang on Diego it's Diego Tinoco
0: oh that's the one I was hoping you didn't say because he's so cute <laughs> <laughs> yeah channel. I would
2: love him for oh. Alex. Um, he would be he would be good for Alex but like like I said I would love to also like find someone who's kind of heretofore an, un- uh, like an unknown um, but yeah most importantly Connie Britton for Ellen and Oscar Isaac for Raph so I those are my that. big my big two
0: well, on our Dreamcast side, we've cast you as Nora and <laughs> Jay as June and me as uh, a white Alex, and that's the whole okay. thing. Okay, okay, yeah. We'll do
1: that. This will be like the off Broadway version. Where, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, the three of us
2: with like some milk crates and like a book. <laughs> that's
1: it. <laughs> and no other characters. Just the yeah, three. Yeah, no, the
2: rest is just like like little sock puppets that we will do. I think that sounds great. What I-
0: So, I don't want to keep you too long, but if you are ever in New York, hit us up. I owe you so many drinks for this book. (laughs) Oh,
2: my God. Well, let me tell you something. I'm moving to New York next year, so. (gasps) What? Yeah. (laughs)
1: So, we're going to be best friends. Yeah,
2: it's going to be amazing. I am uh, probably, like... Somewhere in like the January March range, I so I will hit you up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you really already have cool two friends that. here.
2: You have to buy my drinks all night. You just said it.
0: Yeah, I. It is. <laughs> it is on record <laughs> that yeah, this will it is happen, is on record. and th- yeah. that this is going to happen, and that I am going to be an extra in this movie. <laughs> it's done. <laughs>
2: All right, that seems like a fair to you buy me drinks all night and you can be an extra in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thank you guys so much for thinking of me and having me on. This was a blast. You guys are amazing.
0: Yeah, thanks for talking with us. Uh, we will see you in January.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will let you know when I'm in town.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> So Casey's great. I will be referencing this episode a lot on social media just so she remembers for the rest of the year that we, that we have this agreement that will happen. And you know what? If we're extras in the movie, we will take you behind the scenes to this movie that it hasn't even been done yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's nothing in production yet, but the moment it starts, we will be there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I really do think that this is a great book for everybody and I'm glad that you found it that we read it to essentially together and that you all read it as well and if you haven't and you're just listening to this episode for fun fuck you but go buy the book it's so good we have to thank Casey Casey of, of course course and you know Alex June Nora
1: <laughs> Henry,
0: <laughs> Henry Ellen Connie uh, Britton oh my god so many people and of course our PA David yes Zimmerman, thank you, David who helped us out with this entire episode I have to thank the MTA <laughs>
1: yeah Robert was 15 minutes
0: late to record this episode (laughs)
1: Because of the MTA. My question is why did they just stop running trains? I don't know.
0: uh, To take a diversion, it it was weird because we got on and everything was fine and we were held a little bit before Lexington and 59th and then all of a sudden we were held for 10 minutes and we went half a stop and then I was like okay it's fine and we were held for 10 minutes and they were like oh there's a train ahead of us and then they were like the train ahead of us is paused for signal problems and I was like okay and my headphones died and I had no service to play any games so I was just sitting there and then we pulled into Queensboro, and it was like no more trains are running between here and Astoria Ditmars, and I was like well then I can just ride this to Astoria Ditmars." yes yeah. and then they were like no you have to go take the bus but there was no like get off the train announcement and then they were like this train's going back to Manhattan and I was like are you fucking kidding me and I don't know that area so thank you patreons for making this episode possible
1: <laughs> yeah because we did use the patreon money to get it by cab <laughs> oh god <laughs> and, they and call... also thank you patreons anyway In,
0: yeah and thank all of you for Getting the book, trusting us and getting the book and reading along with us. I had fun doing a book club this season. And you know, if Casey's second book comes out fast enough, it looks like Casey's going to be just the only book club books <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of this podcast. This is a great time to mention, we have our movie club still coming up. Keep a lookout for that movie, which is mentioned in the book. Yeah. Well, the movie's <laughs> the, not. The mentioned. movie's not. But I, I had never heard of those two women. Well, I have, but like not in a romantic way and until we decided on the movie and then towards the end of the book when the quote comes up and it said their names at the bottom I was like I know these people (laughs) but so really it's a great segue into that movie it's true
1: please go see Vita in Virginia to get ready and we will see you then
0: yeah bye bye